0: For the full experience of this episode, be sure to check it out on YouTube by searching Everyone is Cancelled. Be sure to subscribe and hit that bell icon. It really helps us out.
1: The, the military guys called it Skittles. The guy I was talking to early today, he called it um, pain candy. Pain candy. Okay? So 800 milligrams three times a day or 400 milligrams three times. Just a, And what it does, it shuts off the receptors for Leydig cells that make the testosterone in the gonads in the male in the testes and it doesn't work so what we've done is we've had people where in those that were on the anti-inflammatory it didn't work we added clomid and we increased the clomid so clomid pushed through and turned them back on we stopped everything they're making testosterone like before
0: appreciate you joining doctor there's been a lot of advancements in the last year absolutely and a lot of men are getting on and women are getting on to the hormone movement they're seeing how detrimental it can be to our health and how vital it is uh, for us to be well mentally and physically it's an interesting combination Uh, i have a lot of questions for you um first of all is there any way that you'd like to introduce yourself to the audience that feels most current uh most current Uh, My name is Mark
1: Gordon. I'm uh, a physician. I specialize in neuroendocrinology, which is the science of hormones in the brain, how it influences not only our cognitive, but our emotional uh, ability. And I work uh, exclusively within the uh, military venue uh, since 2009, started working with uh, active military, 2015 uh, with uh, my Partners at Warrior Angel Foundation, who made the movie uh, Quiet Explosions with the brilliance of the producer, director, uh, screenwriter, uh, Jerry Shear. It uh, won the 2021 Most Important Film of the Year Award. It was nominated for an Academy Award this year. And what I do is uh, develop and clinically evaluate uh, treatment protocols for addressing um, what they call PTSD which is symptomatic traumatic brain injury, or CTE, which is symptomatic traumatic brain injury, or neurodegeneration. So that's uh, in a crux what I do. My daughter, Alison Gordon, takes care of uh, our civilian population, the NFL, and uh, regular people with automobile accidents who develop psychiatric or psychological problems, which are not psychiatric psychological problems, but are uh, the expression of inflammation, hormone deficiency, and
0: I'll end there. Otherwise, I'll continue. It's so much and it's so good. I'm I, i I'm a personal believer that we can transform our lives because it happened to me very personally. What I thought was uh, some severe psychological issues, like I, I just felt broke. Uh, right. Your medicine brought me to a place where I just started discovering myself at the age of 30 years old. And it's like, I can't believe Uh, how effective it is it's really interesting and it's getting into the mainstream media Um, what would you say is uh, the difference between some of your products I I just want to jump right into this because people have been reaching out to me about your products and asking me Uh questions and I just want to know the difference between these two which I I take Uh, them both. gotcha got it
1: well um, uh, let me give you a little bit of history that our uh, products started as uh, three independent products. Uh, first one was called Clear Mind and Energy, which my daughter Allison and I developed uh, specifically to address all the military and all the civilians that were coming to us on stuff like Pro Vigil, New Vigil, methamphetamine, dexamphetamine, Adderall, Pro Vigil, nu- I mean, uh, SILERT, and caffeine tablets, and also cocaine hydrochloride, mostly here and in Peru. But um, these chemicals, you know, they're used for people who have had traumatic brain injury uh, who develop fatigue. And it's another story of why they developed the fatigue. It's really cool. But They develop fatigue, and instead of fixing the problem that causes the fatigue, they put them onto a drug. A side effect of the drug is it screws up the chemistry in the brain. So we came out with Clear Mind and Energy, and we tested it in the office for about four or five years. And then in 2017, launched it in Virginia Beach with the Navy SEALs. We were invited, Andrew and I were invited to lecture to the Navy SEALs for a day. And they said, this stuff is great. Yeah. But it's a bottle. Right. What about single packets? You know, and single packets were more money than I could afford at that time. Uh, so we went with the bottle. So Clear Mind and Energy, then the second product was Brain Care 2, which is um our anti-inflammatory product. We tested it out at Fort Campbell, Kentucky with uh with the medics there. And within 90 days they felt the difference. And then the last product, which is Um, The uh, B is for brain is focuses on brain mitochondrial functioning, uh, stopping dementia and um, Wernicke's Carsoff syndrome, which is a kind of dementia from alcohol, from vitamin deficiency. So we had three separate products and we started combining them. So one of the products, the first product that we combined was everything together. And that's called Brain Rescue 3. And it was doing phenomenally well. So in 2020, we went to, uh, I was invited to Camp Pendleton to lecture to the command at Camp Pendleton with the Marines. And after that, they sent me a group of guys. We added some people to it, some other veteran Marines to it. And we did a study with Brain Rescue 3 pre breakfast for 90 days. Every 30 days, they sent in a questionnaire, 18 questions. The end result at 90 days was 65% of them were 50 to 100% better and 35% were less than uh, 50% better. So the Brain Rescue 3 was validated for us as a standalone product. So it has in it Mind and Energy, which has a stimulant in it called Guarana. We don't use caffeine. We use Guarana. Guarana is a natural form of caffeine, if you will. And... What we found was a small population of people who got too much energy from it. So in rare cases, that too much energy led them to cleaning up their house, cleaning up their bedrooms, cleaning up their parents' house, cleaning up their neighbors' houses. So we said, wait a second, let's do this. So we made Brain Rescue 1, which doesn't have CME in it, doesn't have the clear and energy but it functions for anti-inflammatory. A side effect, we've got a study right now with 89 veterans in it, where ringing in their ears tinnitus improved. We didn't go after that. They started reporting to me that their ringing in the ears that they've had for more than a year was better. And in fact, in Andrew, my Greenberry partner and brother from another mother, uh, he had 100% resolution in tinnitus in the ringing in the ears. And so we've been monitoring this since uh, January of last year, and the response has been uh, unexpected. Let's put it that way. So these products function uh, to improve, um, reduce inflammation of in the brain through documented uh, pathways, um, there's over a million documents out there. I mean, when I scan for documents, it's always over a million documents talking about the benefits of its components like PQQ, CoQ10, uh, B1, B2, B5, and B12, obviously. And then uh, some of the benefits of quercetin and N-acetylcysteine and gl- uh, glutathione and gamma tocopherol So these are the components. So we have a, an incredible compendium from the literature, from the research, showing how they're predicted to work. So what we did for anywhere between uh, five years to sixteen years. The sixteen years was probably uh, brain rescue three. Was we used it in clinic in clinical application? The people told us which combination worked the best. So, you know, with our population, it was over 4,000 about, right now we have about 583 veterans and the rest are in the civilian population. Okay. So, and we've got uh, on a monthly basis, we have, my daughter and I have about 1,000 patients, but there are over 7,500 people that every month are utilizing these products. Now, a side effect that we didn't anticipate Well, we did a little, but they proved it for us, was this thing that they're calling long COVID. Uh, People are going on to our Brain Rescue 3 pre-breakfast and Brain Care 2 pre-dinner. And within uh, two to four weeks, their symptoms are gone after having it uh, for a long period of time. I don't expect everybody's going to respond like that. Uh, Two of my daughters had COVID. Didn't matter if you had uh, 15 uh, vaxes, but two of the daughters developed COVID. One had Omicron, the other one had Delta. They both lasted four days. My middle daughter had uh, the sequela of it, which was the nose and the taste. And going on this combination, within three days, it was back to normal. I mean, she had tried burning oranges and smelling burnt oranges, old Old uh, protocol from uh, you know from uh, the island Pacific Islands.
0: This know. has become my number one product for when I'm sick, and and yeah. and I really feel that it boosts the immune system. It's an immediate effect. Immediate effect. And believe it or not, my tinnitus. I haven't thought about this. I, I used to have uh, tinnitus. I played in a band. nowhere right. else ever. I've been around firearms my whole life, and it's like seventy to eighty percent better. And I never thought. I was told it doesn't heal. Right. But getting my diet in order, my hormones, using your products, it truly is healed. And that's what's, it's so significant. There's no guessing it gets better. You know, the ring is just gone. You don't hear it all the time. (laughs) And And let
1: me just let uh, people who are listening to this, I'm not really good at promoting our stuff just to generate money. I want people to understand that every one of these products helps to support Uh, the projects that we have. I have 14 14 5013C charitable organizations that I help support and where I get the money from the sale of these products. Our primary um, charitable organization is Warrior Angel Foundation with Adam and Andrew Marr. Um, yeah, Andrew and Adam Marr. Um, Andrew uh, was Green Beret Uh, Four tours of duty, and his fourth, he gets blown up. Not a scratch on his body, but six months later, he ends up um, uh, on thirteen medications uh, and alcoholic and suicidal. And uh, subsequent to getting on protocol, he ends up going to Stanford Ignite Program for Business. He ends up at Pepperdine, uh, getting his MBA. He and his brother Adam write a book called Tales from the Blast Factory that gets picked up by this brilliant uh, director, Jerry uh, Jerry Shear, and made into the movie Quiet Explosions Healing the Brain, which is on um, a number of platforms. Uh, Amazon, it's like $3 for, at Amazon, or you can buy it. Uh, for 10 bucks, But what we do is uh, with all the sales, we actually help to pay for uh, veterans to come into our full-blown program. When we started, the cost was $2,500 because of these products and the help that I've gotten from Joe Rogan. Um, the cost has gone down to 1250 in January. With everything that's going on, we'll be able to drop it below Uh, uh, to about $1,000. My goal is to hand it over to the DOD VA, but it's not happening uh, they've got their own way of doing it even though we show consistent benefits and Andrew's out there speaking about it we've got other organizations where they have members who have uh, who have come to uh, work with us and maybe listeners might want to understand you know, what I do is uh, we've developed a millennium the corporation has developed a biomarker panel and this biomarker panel is our, a group of very specific hormones produced in the brain and produced below the body. But the ones produced by the below the neck, excuse me, below the neck are regulated by the brain. So when you have traumas, car accidents, motorcycle accidents, slip and falls, skiing accidents, you know, any kind of accident in the civilian world, football, we have NFL, uh, um, NHL, we have hockey players and whatever. And then in the military from last or repetitive gun, uh, fire. What happens is these create microtraumas of the brain that causes inflammation, and this inflammation shuts down hormone production in the brain, thyroid, testosterone, growth hormone. And so what we do is we find those markers, and then we function uh, functional medicine to reduce the inflammation. And at the same time, we put them on uh, certain prescription, whether or not it's um, uh, t- testosterone-boosting product. Um, or on thyroid or what have you, in a female estrogen progesterone, to help them to, uh, to improve. And then uh, within a year, I mean, every month they fill out a MPQ monthly program questionnaire, which lets us know how well they're doing. And at the end of the year, we publish a uh, raw data um, accounting of how, summary report of how well they do, which is on our website. Uh, which I'll tell them later, but uh, any purchases that are made uh, 60%, if not more goes to help our veterans. You know, I've got,
0: I have have a person who was medically discharged from the Marines a few years ago from a really, uh really bad TBI. And he's just Send them on. Yeah. Yeah. What's that? Send them over. I will. I'll have to do that. Yeah. He was, he got really messed up and thankfully he can like hear people again. And, you know, have some basic function, but he was like the strongest guy I knew in my life. And he's older than me. He was like a big brother. Right. And it was just that was eye opening. Same with my father. Severe, severe TBI. Um, right. And so it was very eye opening. And I love how much you help uh, law enforcement, the military, the people that respect us. Um, I, speaking of that, there seems to be this trend where testosterone clinics, they're not marijuana clinics. I don't want to give it a bad name, um, but it's easier to get a hold of. And it's so beneficial, testosterone, the hormone. And people are saying, I'll just go to a clinic and I'll feel like I'm 20 again. Uh, I I think there's, there's good intent there, but I'm wondering if there's ways people should be doing it differently based on your practice. And so my question to you is, there's so many military and law enforcement individuals, people who really... Uh, take their life into their own hands. So they go to these testosterone clinics, they get on TRT and then they fix their diet. They take control of their life. They find your work. They take your supplements, uh, which I see. Then they say, well, hold on. Was my hormones not working because of my TBI, which is the truth, but was I not helping it with diet? And once they bring inflammation down with good hormone levels and good diet, uh, I understand your protocol doesn't rely on synthetic or, Um, yeah, synthetic testosterone, like Sipionate. What do you say to those who have been on for a few years? Uh, Is there a way for them to get off with perhaps Clomid and and to restart their own production, or is it too late after a certain point? I understand it's different case by case, but let's say three years.
1: Yeah, excellent, excellent question. It's what I deal with almost on a daily basis. Um, I won't tell you the worst case. We just got finished with a 43-year-old who can't produce his own testosterone any longer. What happens is when you take a young individual and put them on testosterone, you shut off the mechanism between the brain and the production of testosterone. So it's three levels, the hypothalamus, the pituitary, and then the gonads. So the longer you're on testosterone, the higher the dose you're on, which is another story, uh, it'll lead to Uh, loss of this biological integrity is what I call it. In biological integrity, we try to maintain that. We use things like Clomid. Why do we use Clomid? Because what it does is it stimulates the hypothalamus to release the trigger to tell the pituitary to make luteinizing hormone to go to the testicles and say, make testosterone. So when you use testosterone, you shut that all off. And over a length of time, one year, two years, three years, four years, five years, you diminish the ability of recovery or re-stimulation of your system. And what I've been uh, um, not accosted but questioned about is every time I start testosterone on someone, I also start Clomid. Now what we do is we start Clomid first, see how well they do. If they do really well, then we might add a small dose of testosterone to them. So the guys say to me, okay, doc, you're the only one I know that puts Clomid, a recovery drug, HCG, Clomid, those things. You're the only doc I know who puts Clomid with the use of testosterone. Most other doctors puts the Clomid when you finish your cycle on testosterone. Okay, so my response was them, you get into your brand new Porsche and you drive 60 miles an hour into a wall, then you put your seatbelt on.
0: (laughs) Wow, that's a good analogy.
1: I like that. Okay, so what we do is we buckle up for safety, we make sure that they maintain their biological integrity. And I rarely use injectable testosterone. Now, in my past, I used tons of it, same thing with growth hormone. I mean, that's how I became you know, one of the spokesmen for the beneficial effects of growth hormone. Twice a year, I give lectures specifically on growth hormone to uh, medical organizations. But um, I don't use growth hormone anymore. I'll use secretagogues. And I won't use the injectable secretagogue, the one that starts with an I or the one that starts with an S, because they are single-channel um, secretagogues. And what a single-channel secretagogue is, one that turns on the growth hormone, releasing hormone receptor, okay? It's a ligand for the receptor. And what happens over time, and it's called homologous downregulation, it shuts off the um, receptors because you keep on hitting it, and they they shut down. So that's why you have to keep on – you think you have to keep on increasing your level of the SRI, you know – sermorellin and ipramorellin or the mk677 or yeah. the gp6 and 7 and 8 and 9 and 10 and all those things that are coming out of the woodwork those are all single channels so i use a product which is a multi-channel secretagog that's oral and i won't talk about it because you know we developed it uh, for another company in 2001 and you know we've had it since 2006 with physicians only but um It's a multi-channel, so it works on uh, dopamine receptors that increase growth hormone. It suppresses turning off of your growth hormone with somatostatin. It's growth hormone uh, synthetic receptor. It's ghrelin. It's leptin. It's all these other systems that help to encourage the production of growth hormone. Growth hormone isn't a single-channel approach. Other pharmaceutical companies have defined that there is a multitude of receptors or a multitude of pathways. And all I did in 2001 is took advantage of these, the
0: knowledge of these pathways. So you want to help it naturally, like you enhance correct. the body's own ability. That's the game changer for me. Correct. The, the reason being is
1: in the guys that are on the combination of clomiphene and testosterone, which we call the hybrid protocol, and we use a testosterone that's blended testosterone cypionate and testosterone propionate, 80% cypionate and 20% propionate. The reason is you look at the biokinetics of it. You look at the absorption and you look at their separation from the esters. And in their separation from the esters, it means you free up the propionate rapidly. The propionate you know, it, uh, it reservoirs in the area that you inject, but once it gets into the blood, it separates. And it goes into the brain and has an incredible response. I mean, Andrew tells an incredible story uh, about how within two hours or an hour of his injection, his whole world changed. Yeah. And it's because of the absorb. the fact that he was so low, too. Yeah. And you know, the uh talking about him, uh, the um VA thought that he was using testosterone. That's the reason why his level was shut down, was so low. It had nothing to do with it. What we found is inflammation in the brain shuts off your higher order area hypothalamus's ability to trigger luteinizing hormone Mm -hmm. so i mean it's a gorgeous gorgeous article and they've nailed it down uh to the mechanisms and how inflammation stops that so we have a small party a small group test group of nine veterans who we haven't given any hormones to. The only thing we've done is given them anti-inflammatory, our product, Brain Care 2. And they've doubled their testosterone nearly, tripled their testosterone levels naturally by shutting off the um, inflammation. Additionally, an article came out in 2018 from Denmark, which talked about ibuprofen. What did they find out about ibuprofen? They found out that it blocks, it denigrates, it decreases the luteinizing hormone receptors in the gonads that stimulate testosterone production. Oh, no. So many people live off of that stuff, especially in the military. Yeah. The the military guys called it Skittles. The guy I was talking to early today, he called it um, pain candy. Pain candy. Okay. So 800 milligrams three times a day or 400 milligrams three times, just that. And what it does, it shuts off the receptors for Leydig cells that make the testosterone in the gonads, in the male, in the testes. And it doesn't work. So what we've done is we've had people where in those that were on the anti inflammatory, it didn't work. We added Clomid and we increased the Clomid. So Clomid pushed through. And turned them back on, and we stopped everything. They're making testosterone like before, even before after they depression. had even after, yes. Now, with Clomid, what's interesting you know, I used to use Clomid when I was doing recovery for a lot of bodybuilders, okay, back in the uh 90s, um, early 2000s, and um, they were uh, we'd use Clomid, and because I didn't like the needle all the time, and it was and it got expensive for the for hcg when that crazy diet the hcg diet i mean you starve yourself with 500 calories you're gonna lose weight why do you need bait hcg you know it was the stupidest That's thing makes sense. yeah but what happened was it flipped the uh dea and the states into looking at um as an, an abused drug so it unofficially as I was told, went into a class three recognition. It wasn't labeled as class three, but they were monitoring like class three to see who was using it. But anyway, uh, what we found were three different things. People who had um, testosterone suppression because they were on high doses of it. When they got on Clomid, they either maintained a higher than normal level when they were on Clomid and then stopped it. Others who were more normal, and others who went back down to where they were before. So what it told me is that they had something going on with their uh, hypothalamic pituitary axis, the HPA. So that's how um, you know we dealt with it. Now, the clinics out there, the male clinics, um, I love the fact that they want to do good. I love that. And I was very fortunate in one of the guys that I attacked in Metairie, uh, Louisiana, a guy by the name of Chris Rue, who had a, a male clinic. Um, one of his people came to us. And what I do is I just turn around and go to them. And I had a conversation with him and explain things to him that, you know, if he did just a little bit more, he would be able to not only take care of testosterone deficiency, but fix their brain. And why fix their brain? Because most Testosterone male clinics only put them on testosterone, and they don't use dher pregnenolone. Why is that important? Well, over ten years ago, I introduced to the medical community that I work in that when you use testosterone, you shut off thirty-five brain hormones. Yeah. If you just you just look at what when you take testosterone, your body says you don't need luteinizing hormone, let's just shut it off. But the brain needs it. to convert 35 hormones from cholesterol to pregnenolone, pregnenolone, progesterone, allopregnanolone, you know, DHEA, DHEAS, testosterone, estrone, estrone, all those hormones are extremely important. So he was not utilizing DHEA and pregnenolone. And I said, that's all you need to do. And here's the rationale behind it. And he got it. And within a short number of days, Chris got on a plane and flew to Dallas to take the class
0: with us. Which wow, was that's changed a my commitment. Mind. I, I, yeah. I really that scared me when I first saw you talk about that, and so I started taking. I'm on synthetic testosterone now. My hormones were a wreck. I have a lot of TBI incidents my yeah. whole life. I, I've been knocked around quite a bit, and now that I'm a year and a half in, I'm I'm thinking. I feel so much better. I feel like there's, epide- there's this epidemic where men don't finish puberty. It's this new thing. And I feel like I'm, I'm filled out. I'm good. Now I'm wondering if I can restart my own production. I do take the pregnant alone and the DHEA, and I mm-hmm. feel better from it. But I'm looking to make that bridge, and it can be scary. And I know a lot – I've seen maybe in the triple digits of people wanting to make this transition in the forums, mm-hmm. and they just can't. Thousands, actually. And yep. So would you say that taking – under a doctor's supervision, of course, taking right. with HCG or clomid by itself. Uh, was we a good plan. Yeah, it, it's a great plan. And what we do is, so when we
1: have um, a 28-year-old coming into our office, a veteran who's on testosterone because his levels low, they never looked at the central, the brain cause for why it's low. And uh, what we do is, um, we put them on to uh, clomiphene citrate, 50 milligrams. At bedtime, and I'll explain that why in a short time, and we put him on the uh, fifty milligrams every other night, and we have him start cutting back half, half, half on his testosterone over a period of two to three weeks, so that it gives, so it gives enough time for the clomid to kick in. Wow. Okay. And then what happens is uh, we have him on the protocol for about three months and then follow up with his labs. In the labs, what we want to look at is his luteinizing hormone, because that's the key. We already took his luteinizing hormone when he was on testosterone, and it's less than 0.07 usually. Okay. None. And that's where you know that you've shut down the system. When we have hybrid protocol with Clomid, and injectable testosterone, we want to see that the luteinizing hormone is someplace above 0.1. If we can get it to one, even better. So what does that mean? That means that if the guy comes to me and says, hey, doc, I'd really like to stop injecting myself, take a vacation from it. My legs are sore or my stomach sore, my arms sore, my butts are wherever he's injecting it, subcutaneous, not long needle. That's another thing. Dr. Uh, Eugene Shippen proved You don't need to have an inch and a half, 22-gauge needle going and damaging your muscle. You need just subcutaneous. It gets absorbed. In three hours, the levels are the same. So, you know, so um, what we do in the hybrid protocol is a combination. And if they want to stop the testosterone, they stop it. And they just up the clomid from every third day because our protocol for the past Twenty years has been every 72 hours 40 milligrams of blended testosterone and a clomid at night and the reason for clomid at night was a couple of my vets were telling me that um, you know they were taking the clomid in the morning that's everybody got it in the morning and a couple of the guys because their work schedule they had to take it at night and they kept on coming back saying I wake up in my morning with such great erections and wood, they call it wood. Okay. And yeah, with great wood and wood what? (laughs) You know, what? Wood? Wood what? You know, so with wood. So uh, I said, really? So in 2021, I started shifting half the people to nighttime, half the people to morning time. And lo and behold, they came back saying they had great uh, erections, better erections. So Gordon, being the researcher, you know, I stopped 17 years of injectable testosterone myself in 2015. I was on t- injectable testosterone for 17 years. I stopped in 2015. Why in two fifteen? In 2014 was the start of our three-year veteran program on Clomid. We were testing out Clomid, trying to figure out what the best dosing was, what the frequency was, when to take it, and so forth. And after the first year, that was January 2015, the levels were just so incredibly good, I threw away my testosterone and I started on Clomid, which I've been on since 2015. So I've been on it for seven years. And- Clomid full-time for seven, seven years now, 17 years on injectable and then seven years on, um, on Clomid. And because the damage that was done from the testosterone, everybody else is on every third day, I have to take it every other day in order to get the levels because I had disrupted the system, the equilibrium. So um, what we do is have them stop it. They up their uh, Clomid from every third day to every other day and then they continue going. And if we've them on their Clomid every other day, three months down the road, and their levels are really good, I give them the option. You want to stop it and see how you do. So I've got about a half dozen vets right now that are on nothing except for their Brain Rescue 3 or their Brain Rescue 1, their Pregnenolone, their DHEA, uh, their ultra, their multivitamin, um, and vitamin D.
0: That's it. So you have so they're. I'm guessing their levels. The ones who are off, their levels are better than they were before, even though they got off of them.
1: Great, great statement. Some of them's levels are better, but the majority of them are not. But they still feel better. Right.
0: And okay. The- pregnant- Inflammation
1: oh. has been addressed.
0: Yes, that that's been the life changer for me. It, it's why I'm questioning getting off of it. So you think the DHEA and pregnenolone is important to stay stay on even if you start your own production?
1: Um, You look at the levels and uh, you adjust. Now, I'm making broad statements, okay? The golden – I mean the gold standard for us or a platinum standard will be to be off everything, stay on a multivitamin, and use your Brain Rescue 3, which is basically what I've been on for the last three months or – two and a half months
0: or wow. november so yeah two months so I, it it changes things it's the only supplement to this day that i've ever taken that you feel on the first day it's, well, it kind of made me I've laugh got, it felt so yeah, good.
1: i've got people who feel it within 5 minutes 15 minutes 20 minutes it takes me about 40 minutes to feel it but uh i don't take it any every day anymore my three daughters they take it every day wow Okay. And what we found is that for a couple of months, you take it every day, then you can try every other day. And if it works every
0: other day, that's, that's that's what amazes me. I don't even use it every day. I sparse it out. Sometimes I'll just wake up and know I need it. And I've built that mechanism saying, I need my brain rescue today. And I take it and I feel better, not just that day, but the week ahead. Yeah. Uh, So. There is a possibility of there's there's somewhere to go. I know so many men feel doomed. They get on the TRT, right. the horror stories, and they feel they feel there's nowhere to go. Uh, speaking of that, I, I have a quick question for you that's kind of interesting. I haven't seen it addressed super directly. There's a lot of theories, and I just want your take on this. Uh, acne is something that people deal with both on TRT and even off, especially when they're trying to adjust their hormones. When it's hormonal. Do you see that as a, a red flag that something is off in the body? No. Or is it, okay, it's cosmetic.
1: It, well, it's cosmetic, but the mechanism is uh, kind of straightforward. When DHT goes up, it stimulates the pilosebaceous organelle. In English, that's the hair follicle and the oil gland that lubricates the hair so it can come out from the follicle. okay. So what happens is the DHT will increase sebacum, uh, oil production. Now, not everybody develops that, okay? So if you look across the spectrum of DHT production, who makes the most DHT? One, selenium-deficient people, and two, people who are on topical testosterone. Mm. So it turns out selenium regulates the five-alpha reductase enzyme that allows for the conversion of free testosterone to DHT. Right. Soapometto does that. Hygien africanum does that. Pumpkin seeds do that. EGCG does that. Okay. These are all ways that you can intervene with naturally to drop a natural process. So the problem with DHT is that it's three times more suppressive to gonadal functioning than testosterone is. Wow. Three times. I sent the article out to our journal club. Aren't you in our journal club? I am. I love it.
0: It is yeah. full. It's not, yeah, it's good. Yeah.
1: So it went out uh, a couple of years ago. This is my eighth year of doing it. Okay. So, um, so the cause for the oil is the sudden change in DHT. So you can, if you're prone to oily skin and acne, um, you know, use some of these proactive products. Also, in a small group of, well, more in women than men, DHEA can do the same thing. So we start our women on 15 milligrams while we start our men on 25 or 50. And then they develop tachyphylaxis. They develop um, the... Uh, they don't develop as much oil. Okay. I've got some guys that are on their blood levels. The median of the range is 301, the max is 540, and they're over a thousand. No Indeed. side effects. DHEA. They're
0: over a thousand. And it can help the acne, the, that mechanism?
1: No, no. It has nothing to do with acne. All I'm saying is they have no acne. So what I'm saying is it's unique to the individual. Right, you know, where they can have fifteen milligrams or, you know, fifty milligrams, and have a blood level of twelve hundred. Well, it was twelve hundred. <laughs> you know, but there's no side effects. DHEA, DHEA has two forms. DHEA below the neck and DHEAS in the brain. DHEA below the neck protects the heart from uh, ischemic heart disease, heart attack. That's the Massachusetts Male Aging Study. In a recent study, it protects the lungs from cytokine storm in the lungs from any form of causation. It stimulates the immune system. It drops inflammation. It helps with wound healing, helps stabilize insulin and glucose. In the brain, the DHEAS... Um, helps with production of myelin, the coating of nerves. So if you have demyelinating illnesses like multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's disease, ALS. Uh, My daughter has an ALS patient who's on protocol. He's on the top end of the protocol. Uh, You know, we go for 50th percentile, 75. He's much higher. He's 75 to 100. And his doctor let us know that he's getting better. Swallowing, which was, he was a football player, then a um, football player, then a fireman. But, uh, you know, so I was kind of impressed with that. We have three uh, veterans who had multiple sclerosis. They're 50 to 60 percent better. We have two cases of uh, Alzheimer's disease, another form of autoimmune, uh, another form of uh, uh, neuroinflammatory degenerative disease. Two people, 66 and 72, gotten better with their, according to their spouses, significant wow. others.
0: That brings me to one of my next questions. Uh, it breaks my heart because a lot of women suffer from autoimmune disease at a higher rate than men. Mm-hmm. And there's been correlations that it could have to do with hormones, testosterone. Um, it's something that has been really on my mind lately. It's been on my mind. And I want to know what your thoughts are on autoimmune disease, if you have any in particular. Oh, on-
1: I, I deal with them quite a bit. Well, there are... um The main cause, as I see it in the literature, is there's a disruption of the integrity of the immune system where it becomes more less specific and more obtuse. So what one hormone that's called a vitamin or a vitamin that is a hormone is linked to all these autoimmune diseases, vitamin D. So if you look at Hashimoto's thyroiditis, rheumatoid arthritis, Crohn's disease of the gut, uh, uh, inflammatory bowel disease, uh, lupus erythematosus, scleroderma, if you look at all these, there's an association with vitamin D. Now, the traditional world would like to say that it's only an association, but in our population, when you bring their levels of vitamin D into therapeutic levels, which cause our... um, our traditional brethren to get nervous because they think vitamin D is toxic. It's the calcium that it absorbs that's toxic. So I tell all our patients that we put on a higher dose of, um, of vitamin D, don't take any calcium supplements. Don't use Tums because it's elemental calcium. And if you can, avoid chewing any drywall. So as long as those are the three things that they adhere to, they're not going to be exposed to anything but nutritional calcium, okay? So in the, you know, 28 years that I've been doing specifically this, I've never found anyone who had the symptoms associated with hypercalcemia due to vitamin D, okay? So it's no nausea, vomiting, abdominal cramping, or pain, irregular heartbeat, uh, Paresthesia, tingling in the fingers and toes, coma, and death. We've not had anyone who's developed that. And there, I just sent out to one of our patients to present to their VA doc who's freaking out over his high level of vitamin D. The max is 120. He's at 69. So, how <laughs> is that high level? Because they believe 30 to 60 is ideal, 29 is deficiency. Right. You know, it's all about. Perception. Do you yeah. want to just be within the the parameters or do you want to be dead center or you want to be a little bit higher? So the analogy I use is, OK, two people are sitting in front of me. One has one hundred dollars in their pocket. The other one has a million dollars in their pocket. I can honestly say they both have money. But which do you want to be? Where's right. the benefit?
0: Guy with a million bucks for sure. Yeah, <laughs>
1: absolutely. So um, autoimmune diseases are there now? Another is testosterone. Since you talked about testosterone, testosterone has the ability to drop four key pro-inflammatory chemicals in the body called cytokines: interleukin one, one beta six, and tumor necrosis factor alpha. But on the other side, what testosterone does, it stimulates the strongest anti-inflammatory marker called interleukin-10, so IL-10. And also testosterone has been found to improve CD4 and and CD8 plus, CD4 plus CD8 cells, which deal with our immunity. If it's stable, Mm -hmm. if they're stable, the likelihood that it's going to create a imbalance that leads to autoimmune
0: is far less. So the stability of testosterone masters matters. You don't want huge peaks and valleys. Uh,
1: well, I haven't seen anything that specifically spoke, speaks towards vacillation in levels. You want to develop a plateau. So the best way to develop that plateau is what we've started in 2001 is every 72 hours, which is two half lives of testosterone propionate. Proprio- uh, Half-life is 36 hours, so two half-lives. So just as it's starting to come down, you hit it again, and it goes back up. So over seven injections, religiously, every 72 hours in the morning, you develop a steady state. It takes about seven shots. Uh, according to um, uh, pharmaceutical uh, pharmacokinesis or um, stabilization, they came up with seven uh, half-lives. The seven shots over the half-life is when it'll reach stability or is plateau, as you called it.
0: Okay. You know, testosterone has a way of of building the body. And a lot of autoimmune uh, issues I've seen is it has a way of inflaming the body while also eating away at it in some cases. And I've always thought that was just so peculiar to me. And I wonder if a low testosterone, which has been correlated to some autoimmune issues, uh, if it's simply reducing inflammation and building the body in a way where it can repair fast enough, it seems like the body almost eats away faster than it can rebuild in some of these issues. Does that, does that sound correct to you? Um, It's
1: across the, across my horizon. uh, So I don't know where to, to, to nail it, but testosterone is a double, it has a double-edged sword to it. Okay. In certain people, if you take too much testosterone or, You take a normal amount, but you develop uh, hyper-anxiety, panic attacks, bouncing off the walls, and that's because of another chemical that it stimulates on called adenocyclase, which is like IV methamphetamine. So. In a rare case, you can have that occur. That's why we monitor so tightly the free testosterone level, which gets right into the brain. So that is one of the negative issues. The terms of uh, testosterone, too much testosterone can hurt the liver and shut down a lot of um, important processes like gluconeogenesis, making new sugar, protein synthesis. Uh, We've seen people whose cholesterol levels are high when their free testosterone is low and their free testosterone level is high. Hmm. Okay? So we see when it's low and when it's high. Could it be because of luteinizing hormone? Because luteinizing hormone is what takes cholesterol and converts it to pregnenolone. Luteinizing hormone is the rate-limiting hormone to convert cholesterol to all the down-the-line anabolic Um, Hormones or steroidogenesis hormones. So, um, you know, what else? In terms of muscle, uh, testosterone and uh, DHEA and DHT are extremely important because both DHEA and DHT help sugar glucose get into myocytes, muscle cells, to form glycogen. So you need DHT from testosterone. Okay, so it helps to bring sugar. Side effect of that, just like a side effect of growth hormone, can be dropping in your blood sugar. We've seen more cases of hypoglycemia from inappropriate use of growth hormone, excessive amount. You know, they're not eating, they're exercising, and they're taking high amounts of testosterone and growth hormone. And they're wondering why they're losing their strength. They're losing their motivation because they're putting themselves into hypoglycemia.
0: That, go ahead that that I just have so many questions uh the cholesterol aspect you just mentioned that can mm-hmm. be kind of scary to me uh because I see these bodybuilders or and even just normal everyday men complaining on forums saying their cholesterol's just gotten out of whack. it's changed so much on testosterone yep. it testosterone's going to do that. that's known nowadays synthetic testosterone. Uh, my worry is that one of the aspects of being on synthetic testosterone especially if somebody's taking too much is is it almost telling the cholesterol that it doesn't know where to go once it stops using it for its own hormones and you have an exogenous testosterone what happens to all the cholesterol that you're still eating but your body no longer uses
1: yeah well 85% of our circulating cholesterol comes from our liver 15% of it max from our nutrition. That's why nutrition really doesn't do anything to modulate uh, cholesterol. It's the liver function. So there are things that we can do in our liver. I mean, I have a lecture which is called uh, Cholesterol, the Father of All Hormones. I think I've given the lecture three or four times. I had a guy from a major university who was a lipidolo- lipidologist in the audience, and he stood up. He said it was a great presentation. He corrected a couple of things, but he said it was a great uh, presentation. The bottom line is, we need cholesterol. Okay. Now, I don't want to get onto you know on pharma's uh, ass, but you know, since 1986, when when statins were first introduced, uh, Mevacor by Merck Sharp and Dome, um, and we started changing our diet, we stopped smoking, drinking, exercised more, slept better, nutrition was you know great, and we went from zero dollars on statin drugs to forty, four, forty-six billion dollars of statin drugs. Wouldn't you expect? And we're losing weight, wouldn't you expect for the rate of heart disease to drop? You would
0: expect that. But where is it going? It's just shot sky high nowadays. It
1: has. Right. What is the real issue? The real issue is inflammation. Mm-hmm. And what happens is inflammation creates inflammation or chemical like uh, smoking, alcohol, trans fatty acids, um, secondhand smoke, uh, hope bad nutrition, causes inflammation. that inflammation causes damage to the lining of the arteries, the intima. and the body has a repair mechanism. The first thing it calls into repair is cholesterol. Why? It makes up the majority of our membranes of our cells. Right. So the cholesterol comes in, tries to fix it, doesn't fix it because it's too far gone. So the body says, okay, let's seal it off. So it sends calcium in. And the calcium is what creates the atherosclerosis, the atheromas.
0: That's so beautifully explained because cholesterol has been made to be such a bad guy. And mm-hmm. I really see the value of it with doctors Paul Saladino. Uh, among people like yourself, doctors like yourself, pointing out that, hey, this actually helps us. Uh, So you don't feel that testosterone synthetically changes our body's mechanism to be able to utilize cholesterol effectively? It does,
1: it does. Uh, And it's all through the luteinizing hormone because normally before testosterone, cholesterol, luteinizing hormone, pregnenolone. Cholesterol, luteinizing hormone, pregnenolone. Testosterone, no luteinizing hormone. Cholesterol gets stuck. Yeah, the liver's making it, and it's making it, and it's building up. It's like the beaver and the dam, you know?
0: Right, right. And that's so, been my, that's been my concern. I've I've as I've gotten to know this, I wonder. I'm like, where is the cholesterol going to go if you're skipping this? It's been one of the biggest reasons I've I've looked into uh, getting back to a natural state as a society as much as yeah. we can, healthy natural state. That's interesting.
1: Cholesterol is usually squirted out of the gallbladder and uh, then gets reabsorbed. So some of the mechanisms have been to block that reabsorption. But the bottom line is, what is harmful about cholesterol? I mean, if I was to show you my my medical reports on my level of cholesterol and then show you my ultra-fast CT scans and CT scans of my blood vessels and so forth, hard plaque they don't see, but, you know, you have to be concerned about soft plaque. So there's a technique which is radiographic that can look at soft plaque too. So you want to look at soft and hard plaque. And you want to look at certain tests that, you know, cholesterol, LDL, HDL, um, and your cardiovascular risk factor, those are all superficial meters. So my, just to fill you in a little bit, my LDL, low-density lipoprotein, should be less than 100. Mine's 273. So I had it fractionated. Why to have it fractionated? Because they found that there are two components in it, one called small-density LDL and the other one called large-density LDL. The small density is the problem, the large isn't. So my 273 is made up of mostly large. Wow. Okay? The other thing is looking at HDL. Oh, HDL, happy to have cholesterol, high-density lipoprotein. Well, it turns out that HDL has, like LDL, a good and a bad, or a good and a neutral. So I've got people with HDL levels of 100. The cardiologist is cheering them on. We go and fractionate it and find that it's worthless because it's made up of lipoprotein A1, which is worthless. Or is it A1 or, yeah, I think it's A1. So it's, you know, we developed 15 years ago a panel with Axis Medical Laboratory called the uh, LP6. It's 14 markers. So it looks at markers that can predict um a congestive heart failure. You know, it's an interesting test. I stopped using it because I moved out of the cardiac world, you know, because of
0: so an artery is it an arterial calcium score? Is that the one that can kind of see how much calcium is built up in your in your arteries? i right. of- yeah, the ultrafast CT
1: scan, uh U128 segment uh slice uh that looks for the microscopic calcifications. And we've been able to remove it by about forty percent with the EDTA sodium EDTA and phosphatidylcholine. Wow! Uh, yeah, IV phosphatidylcholine, huh. and been able to read it. I mean, you can go look at it. Phosphatidyl, uh, choline and, um, see, phosphatidylcholine and let's see, choline and non-alcoholic liver fatty liver degeneration. You can reverse that too. It's in the literature. Wow. All I do is I read the stuff and then put it into practice to see if it really is true. And the reason for that is if you look at Nature magazine and about 20 other magazines, they came out with um, uh, articles about reproducibility. And they found that 70% of the studies that have been done cannot be reproduced by the doctor who did the original study or by another doctor who came in to reproduce the study just go on to google scholar and put in research reproducibility or reproducibility and you'll get and you're reading it and say wait a second if the stuff that i'm reading 70% of what i'm reading right now you can't be reproduced what does that tell us what do we know <laughs> that's right. right what's what's real what's wow. real yeah
0: so I feel like really entering this next generation of medicine and you're really spearheading that. And I'm trying to shout it from the rooftops because I don't I don't think people understand in layman's terms, layman's terms, how game-changing the medicine that you're into is and the way it can change the life and how important hormones are physically, mentally, and even spiritually. I, I think it's transformed me completely. And I really appreciate the work you do. Uh, you. do you have any thoughts on? Uh, microplastics as they say they affect the hormones
1: well it's endocrine disrupting chemistry is mm. what it is plastics, BBC's um, mercury lead uh, because mercury and lead will disrupt the ability of DHEA to convert to androstenedione, estrone testosterone and estradiol So you've got to look for that. Um, These microplastics, I don't have the full biochemistry and uh, chemistry of how it interrelates, but it's in this population of endocrine-disrupting chemistry, and they're all around us in plastics. You know, in plastics, why you shouldn't heat anything in plastic, even though it says it's microwave-safe. Use, you know, use a, you know, a good what uh, porcelain or, you know, um, ceramic kind of neutral without lead in it, uh, neutral uh, dish to heat things up. Um, But what we're seeing, uh, a lot of cases of uh, endocrine disruption. And one of my colleagues, um, Edwin Lee, who's an endocrinologist at, uh, in Orlando uh, he has a phenomenal lecture on this specific area of endocrine disrupting chemistry and plastics uh, is part of that. It's not an area that I see very much. what I do see is the lead and mercury uh, toxicity and that's from Fort Bragg from the guys that are in close quarter combat training where they're exposed to the plumes of uh, plumes from their weapon. Uh, the firing pin uses mercuric chloride, and then the round comes out of the, the barrel and generates, you know, plumes of lead. So lead and mercury interrupt the ability of DHEA to be converted to what comes next in the cascade, because it poisons the enzyme. They call it 3-beta hydroxysteroid dehydrogenase, an enzyme gets poisoned. And these these endocrine disrupting chemicals they disrupt different enzyme systems so you can't make testosterone you can't make estradiol so you know i haven't seen but i know it's out there i don't have firsthand experience with it but i know it's out there where they have centers that do test for these uh, disruptions so you instead of putting you on the hormones fix the problem if they can fix the problem it's exposure gets you away from the exposure
0: yeah I think that's huge. So staying away from microplastics, the best we can is probably collectively a good idea.
1: Yeah, name me something, an environment where there are no microplastics.
0: Yeah. The moon, Mars. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Where do you go? Yeah. How do you at this point? That's the thing. Yeah, I really appreciate how you bring attention to it Dr. Gordon. It's just the beginning of something better. We're always improving and yeah. I appreciate the energy there. Yeah,
1: I was just looking for an article I received from um let's see is it it was very depressing. It was a recent uh article that came out that basically states that uh we should not be doing uh hormone replacement. Let's see where is it. Here it is. Uh, American Academy of Family Practice, hormone therapy after menopause, not recommended, says the USPSTF, whatever that is. I'll send it to you. But um, the uh, bottom line is they don't believe that we should be proactive in using hormonal replenishment in women without symptoms who are menopausal, Mm -hmm. which I totally disagree with because I can show them stacks and stacks of articles talking about when a woman's FSH and LH elevate, which is an indication of hormone deficiency, they may or may not have any symptoms, that it is highly associated with and documented to cause cognitive impairment and accelerated Alzheimer's disease. So ask women who are given the option, you're asymptomatic and not to go on hormones and run the risk of developing Alzheimer's disease and look at the stats on it, or else to go on to hormone to protect you proactively. So they're basically saying only treat women who are symptomatic. So those who are having hot flashes, cognitive impairment, wait until the car hits the wall and then put the seatbelt
0: on. Yeah, that's horrible. It's a, it, it's this scary trend I'm seeing now. It's almost like an attack. It feels like against the, the entire industry of how hormones can heal human beings. Uh, it just like a broad stroke against hormones. And I'm not sure what that is. Uh, you know, maybe it's because it's such a simple fix, but I don't know. It, it It is scary though. And you even see it with things like HCG, as you said earlier, um, which you are a believer in using. Is that correct? Using uh, HCG? I,
1: I don't use HCG anymore. Okay. I stopped using really? it about uh, five or more years ago.
0: Oh, really? And why is that, if you don't mind uh, me asking? Because
1: I find that the Clomifin citrate or the eClomid work very well.
0: Nice. You know, Less so, and
1: refer- it, it's more mobile. They don't have to take needles with them. The cost for it uh, for six months of Clomid through our uh, contract with uh, pharmacy that dispenses it right to the patients, it's about ninety bucks for a six month supply. Wow. That's look at the cost, monthly cost from the average pharmacy for clomophyn citrate,
0: which just tripled in price. It did. I saw it. It skyrocketed. It's insane. Well, how Going to diet here, I'm curious to think. I'm curious to see what you think about diet and its importance in our hormones. Is there any recommended diet you have for hormones specifically and general health? Is there anything that you see that is well, probably at, a no-no there?
1: Yeah. At this point, what I basically do is I defer to my daughter Allison. She's the one who does all our nutrition, gut health, gut brain. Yeah, Allison does all that. It's a great one to have on the show. But yeah, well, um, yeah, but she Um, you know, she likes to, um, let's back up a second. If we know that the gut, when it's inflamed from dysbiosis or from alcohol or from, or food choices, that it creates inflammation that goes to the brain and creates inflammation in the brain that shuts off your hormones. So what don't you want to do? You don't want to inflame the gut, right? You want to heal the gut. OK, so all the things from um, low inflammatory uh, meals, making sure your balance of uh, fruits and vegetables are great. You know, if you're on a um, carnivore diet, well, they found that you can do better if you add just a little fruit to it. Okay? Yes. Right. Yeah. You add fruit to it. It'll help. Um, but, you know, I really don't delve deep into it. I mean, in our program. It's not just about hormones and supplementation. It's about meditation, sleep. It's about nutrition. It's about hydration. So you need to have all those things in play in order for you to maximize your benefit. If you dehydrate, it causes toxicity throughout your body. If right. you don't meditate, cortisol takes over and creates inflammation in the brain through fractalkin. If you don't sleep well, you can't regenerate the brain, so you wake up in the morning feeling great. If you're eating poorly, you can induce inflammatory arthritic conditions, or you can further the inflammatory cytokine production. So it's multifaceted. I take care of a couple of them. My daughter does the rest of them, and her patients, or civilian populations, get an added bonus, which I don't have, you know,
0: so she's that's doing what's well. That's cool, what you guys do. You have a family environment, and you really cover all the bases. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I believe I follow Allie on Instagram now, oh, so okay. I didn't know she covered food in that way. That's huge. Yeah. So, I guess getting on to the next segment here, uh, so peptides and hormone therapies, do mm-hmm. you see them holding a future in our government? Because what I'm seeing as far as research goes for the BPC-157, tb mm-hmm. five. Uh, GHK copper, IGF-1 LR3, they they look like the components out of a comic book. I feel like I'm reading about Wolverine, a military project. And right. what I'm reading is ways to keep inflammation down, healing up for longer and even improve brain function, increasing reaction times, increasing strength and speed, uh, the way you can interpret an environment. Is this something that we have to worry about other militaries using for some sort of first super soldier? Do you see this having a future within our military?
1: (laughs) Uh, I can't answer specifically if our military would be using it. They should be. Whether other countries are using it like the big C, they are using it because they're in the projects to make super soldiers by genetic manipulation. You know, they're working on it with reverse gene technology, gene technology. Um, But talking about, on a practical level, the mm-hmm. benefits of peptides, phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. I mean, we have about 70 vets that um, were given by the VA disability, orthopedic disabilities. And what happened was they went on to pro, you know peptide protocols, BPC-157, Thymusin 500 or 4-beta, and also uh, IGF-LR3, which mm-hmm. I'll come back to in a minute. And what happened is they heal rapidly from shoulder, from neck, from hip. I've got a 71-year-old guy who um, has chronic left hip pain. And within the six-week treatment protocol, two weeks on, two weeks off, two weeks on, his hip pain disappeared. He called me up. He said, my hip pain is totally gone after 20 years, 25 years, and my back pain is gone. I said, you never (laughs) told me about back pain. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and my back pain's gone. Uh, partial rotator cuff tears, um, knee surgery, post-knee surgery. My neighbor, uh, a little overweight, nice guy. I got to say that in case he watches this. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he, uh, I told him about the peptides. He went and did his due diligence on it and ended up obtaining it. And um, his doctor said he's so far advanced in
0: 10 days after his surgery, you know. That's what I'm seeing over and over. Anecdotally, hard scans of partial rotator cuff tears, uh, people needing uh, hip replacement surgery even. And they go back to their doctors and their doctors are almost angry at them because they want to know what they did because they've never seen that. Right. It reminds me of comic book-like results. Yeah. I have a surgical neck
1: um in the beginning april i developed uh neck pain and for 6 weeks i couldn't sleep it was just maybe 2 hours a night it was horrific pain i don't take narcotics so i had to deal with it yes i did anti-inflammatories made sure my diet was better i had to get rid of the uh uh 100% fat uh vanilla ice cream i had to get rid of all that uh, great stuff and um I went on to the peptides and for a six week course, I was seeing a, just started seeing a neurosurgeon, great guy. And um, then uh, I went back to him mm, about three months later. I've got full range of motion in the neck, no pain, no electricity. I still can't lift more than 15 pounds above 70 degrees because it got my long thoracic C3, C4, C6, C7. But no pain, full range of motion. I'm out in the garden doing my usual bullshit. So I got to compensate with my right side. But um, you look at the MRI, it looks bad. But I have no symptoms. So the guy says to me, what are you doing? So I'm doing peptides. I got to learn about peptides. So he's now (laughs) reading the book.
0: That's Uh, so good to hear.
1: Yeah. He's a younger orthopedic uh, neurosurgeon, younger neurosurgeon. He's a younger neurosurgeon, so the ones that are younger either are so ingrained with their their, organize, their school that they went through or their self-thinking,
0: and they say, oh, let me look at it. There is that divide there. I'm really having a lot of respect for doctors like Paul Saladino, Doctor yourself, yeah. who are stepping up and saying, hey, this is what I've observed. Take it or leave it, but it's improved my lives and many patients Right, and really being popularized. So – Let's see. So, BPC one five seven has been shown to bring inflammation down, even in the brain, and even heal the brain possibly from certain injuries. Uh, do you have any uh, Do you have any notes on specifically uh, the effects it does have on the brain?
1: Yeah. Well, again, uh, if you look at BPC one five seven and where it came from, it came from the gut. It's what a pentadeca uh, amino acid. And um, if you inject it, it has benefits on ligament, tendons, and uh, muscle. And if you inject it, I think it still has some beneficial effect on the gut, like what? In uh, cases with uh, dysbiosis, inflammatory gut, leaky gut, you put them onto BPC-157 capsules, and it heals it. And it heals it. What was being produced before the gut was healed? It was producing cytokines. It was producing huh. the okay. inflammatory cytokines that pass right into the brain or get transported to get into the brain rapidly. And wow. when cytokines from the periphery get into the brain, it creates the problem. Where's a couple of great examples. Look at people who have rheumatoid arthritis, lupus erythematosus, psoriatic arthritis. There's a 60 to 83%. I don't remember what the actual numbers are who have concurrently depression. Mm -hmm. When they get on the treatment for it, which is a tumor necrosis factor alpha blocker or interleukin-6 blocker, their symptoms below the neck get better and their depression disappears. Mm -hmm. So what does that tell you? It tells you that the inflammation from the periphery gets into the brain and alters the chemistry. The most important thing that, Uh, I shouldn't say the most important, but a consistent thing that I find in our patient population, whether or not it's the military or our professional sports people with CTE, if you will, is that they have three common symptoms, insomnia, depression, and fatigue. Insomnia, depression, and fatigue. And if you look at the mechanism for that, it's like, wow. And the mechanism is tryptophan. You know, that stuff that we get a lot of during Thanksgiving coming up and we feel a little fatigued from it because tryptophan can have this soporific, this sedating effect on you. Well, tryptophan is converted to what? You know what tryptophan is converted to?
0: Not Is it melatonin?
1: That's the next one. Before melatonin, it's serotonin. You got- it's serotonin. serotonin. So it uses tryptophan hydroxylase to convert tryptophan to serotonin. And then serotonin through tryptophan decarboxylase is converted to melatonin. Oh,
0: so man, right what on.
1: happens if you don't have melatonin? You don't sleep. What happens if you don't have serotonin? You get depressed. So you're not converting the tryptophan to serotonin. So serotonin builds up and becomes soporific. So you get fatigue. And then at another level of tryptophan, it becomes, what is it called? Neuronic acid, neulixic acid. It becomes an acid in the brain that destroys the brain. Okay. So what is going on with tryptophan hydroxylase and tryptophan decarboxylase? They're influenced by inflammation. They shut off So you do lose the ability to make these enzymes when there's inflammation in the brain. So our anti-inflammatory products, the Brain Rescue 1, the Brain Care 2, the Brain Rescue 3, all of them have different levels of uh, approach or attack of this inflammatory cascade by stopping the epigenetically, by stopping the production of the trigger to cause these inflammatory cytokines to be released, so that's how the gut plays a role in it. We've got a, a, a son of son of a invest, uh, whatever he does in finances. His son has uh, chronic inflammatory bowel disease. It's one of my daughter Allison's cases, yeah. and within three or six months, the doctor who was taking care of him for his gut problem freaked out because this kid had no longer any findings of inflammatory markers in his gut.
0: That's incredible.
1: Yeah. So his father's very interested in helping
0: us with the recognition of our products. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. It needs to happen. So, wow, there's so much good information there, Dr. Gordon. I really appreciate it. I know the audience does as well. Uh, I would like to ask you about IGF-1 LR3. So IGF-1 is insulin-like growth factor. It's what people take human growth hormone out there in Hollywood for, and it turns into IGF-1 and it gives us these youthful benefits like uh, stronger bones, better cartilage health, muscle health, so on and so forth. I'm curious what you think about IGF-1 LR3 in a long-term context, because I know LR3 gives it a much longer half-life, I believe about 20 hours, give or take. And I'm curious what you think about taking IGF-1 LR3 as a sort of youthful enhancement over many decades in small amounts and small cycles. Do you think it's something that we have to worry about over growth of organs or heart tissue? Or do you think it can be safely done over long periods of time?
1: Yeah, if you it's a great question. Um, I think uh what might be important here is to understand when you take growth hormone, um, growth hormone has its own benefits. It can you know, lead to mobilization of um, structural fat, which can cause a blockage of the receptors for uh, glucose, so your sugar can go up. They talk about that, but that's only if you use large amounts. Helps with bone repair, helps with bone, helps with vitamin D production, helps with absorption of amino acids from your gut. A lot of really great things that growth hormone does which is produced 8 at night to 4 in the morning. And during the time that it's being produced, it goes to the liver and turns on 10 proteins, IGF-1, IGF-2, uh, binding protein 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and now 7, and then something called acidly bile subunit. So the IGF-1 lasts 8 to 10 minutes by itself, free-floating. Right. When it's hooked up to its key carrier, binding protein 3, it lasts for 20 to 24 hours, okay? So the benefit of having uh, IGF-1 is the fact that it competes against or shuts down something called myostatin, muscle statin stop. So right. it stops muscle from being produced. So if you're looking to maintain at 70 years of age, like moi, you wanna maintain muscle mass, what you do is go on small doses for short periods of time, of IGF-1, LR3 to make sure that you maintain good muscle mass and density. The side effects of the uh, IGF-LR3, just like IGF-1 made in the body, aside from it being 18 hours to 20 hours, is the fact that it acts like IGF-1, insulin-like growth factor. So what does that mean, insulin-like? It can cross over to affect insulin functionality by about 10%, so it can drop your blood sugar, shove the sugar into your cells. Benefits. In looking at people with Alzheimer's disease, um, they found that growth hormone IGF-1 helps to reestablish the microtubules that are lost in the process of Alzheimer's disease. Also, it helps to upregulate sugar increased sugar going into the neurons. So your neurons aren't dying from starvation. Hmm. So there are some of the benefits. So if you look at the literature relative to brain function in IGF-1, it's phenomenal. IGF-2 is the key uh, IGF growth factor that's highest during our neonatal development, our brain development. I've heard, okay. Okay, and I want to come back to the binding protein 3. Binding protein 3 Uh, Excuse me, binding proteins. Binding protein one is associated with protecting the heart. Binding protein two is anti diabetic. It helps with uh, insulin sensitivity and shuts down um, insulin resistance. Binding protein three is anti cancer. Binding protein four is anti cancer. Binding protein five is bone repair. Binding protein six is neurogenesis nerve genesis. So how do you get these binding proteins? Only with the use of growth hormone. You do not get it with the use of IGF-1. So if if you're on just purely IGF-1, you lose two anti-cancer products. Now, I have a lecture where I argue why growth hormone does not increase the occurrence of cancer, because it generates two anti-cancers. And then looking at the intranuclear, how IGF binding protein 3 and 4 work within the nucleus with something called P53. You can look up P53. It's the strongest anti-cancer component in our nucleus that's failing us. Why is it failing us? It's because it's zinc-dependent. And if you're zinc-deficient in one-third the world population by studies, um, you're zinc-deficient. So zinc-deficiency greater Alzheimer's, zinc deficiency, greater viral infections, okay? Zinc deficiency, greater cancer. Wow. Okay. Anyway, so this is the side stuff that I get from reading about how great zinc is for slowing down conversion of testosterone to estradiol. So to get to that article, I had to read all these other articles about zinc and its other factions, 300 functions plus in the body. Wow. Yeah,
0: great stuff. It sounds like staying away from too much IGF-1 specifically. You can cycle it. Uh,
1: You can cycle it with your growth hormone, you know, the combination of the two, uh, or low-dose growth hormone, or else you can stimulate the production of binding protein 3 through the use of a phenomenal nutraceutical called quercetin.
0: Yes. Which you brought up. (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah, quercetin, the products have it. Quercetin um, is also called an inophore that brings zinc into the cell to block viruses. There are seven viruses it blocks. You know some of the important ones. Uh, it uh, shuts down NF-kappa B, which is the trigger for anti- for inflammatory proto- uh, inflammatory cytokines. It increases mitochondrial production. Increases IGF binding protein three. So it's a uh, ubiquitous, I mean, it's
0: multifaceted or motif. Yeah, multifaceted. Wow. So maybe running it by itself without any of these uh, things like quercetin or human growth hormone is not the greatest idea. Correct. I you mean, your IGF one, correct. You need to back all
1: bets. You know, think of uh, what's the worst possible thing and
0: anticipate it and treat it accordingly. Beautiful. That's this has been so informational, Doctor. Um, we're, we're wrapping up here. I do have one more question I didn't cover, and it's a it's a question a lot of people who are healthy want to know. Um, what do you think about alcohol as a consumption?
1: Um, I love it. Thanks for asking. But I've <laughs> cut it out almost ninety percent. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason being is alcohol centrally shuts off growth hormone production. Mm. alcohol consumes sugar so you become hypoglycemia which will generate inflammation also it generates a lot of free radicals reactive oxygen species and so forth and then in the gut it tends to erode the lining of the gut Mm. so in eroding the lining of the gut it can lead to more cytokines that go into the brain and lead to depression moods let's just say mood swings Altered, altered
0: carbon, altered state of being. Okay. Wow. Would you have a recommendation? Maybe once, twice a week. Typical recommendations we oh, see.
1: I, I just you know don't do what I do. Do what I say. Okay. <laughs> what I do, what I do is I have you know maybe four ounces, maybe four ounces of a good scotch. I mean, uh, I really cut out a lot. I've got phenomenal bottles of single malt scotches that are sitting, gathering dust. So I've been handing them out a lot more.
0: It's interesting. you know. There's a lot of correlation, but I see super centenarians, and I research people who are over 100 years old, 110, Mm -hmm. and it's like all of them drink every day, and I'm like, what is going on here? I'm trying to understand. (laughs) Look at how many smoke also.
1: I mean, there was a study out of UCLA where something like 80% of them smoked and never stopped smoking. (laughs) It's their genetics. Yeah. They're just... Effing resilient to anything, you know, but I'm talking about the average people like myself.
0: (laughs) Well, I think you look great, doctor. You really are an example to follow. I really believe that. Been on my own uh, stuff for
1: 28 years, you know, and uh, the one that has really made the difference has been this Brain Rescue 3. And what I'll do is I'll send you a code that you can give, you can post it for uh, your people. And it'll give them a discount on it. Uh hopefully they understand that their purchases will help to stop suicide in a veteran. Okay. I'll and make sure to that five hundred and eighty-three. Uh five hundred and eighty-three. And this afternoon, when
0: we get finished here, I'll talk to number five hundred and eighty-four. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. I appreciate it, Doctor. Can can you share with my viewers where they can find your products? Oh, they can go to um Millennium
1: uh, Healthstore.com and Millennium's with double L, double N uh, or else you can put my name in. But if you want to get information, um, you can go to TBIHelpNow.org, and you'll see some of the programs that we have, you know, a lot of great information, some of the studies that we've done in the Marines, uh, the annual summary report of our patients and how well they do uh, within 12 months of being on our program. Um, psilocybin, we just started a psilocybin area. We've got about eight companies that we're interacting with. Psilocybin is great, but what you need to do first is stop the infl- inflammation. So we recommend people get onto our protocol for about three months before they go in and have um, start on um you know, trials of psilocybin or ayahuasca or ibogaine or ibogaine
0: or whatever is out there. And it's great what's happening, you know. You continue to impress me, doctor. You're always on the forefront. I'm just so excited about where the journey is going. I see myself, all the people it's helped, even in my circle. I love being able to point people to your work when they reach out to me. And I I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah.